Scripture this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. The Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the aroma of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance of death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Well, good morning. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, was headed down to uh, Fred Meyer to get some gasoline, and uh, I just was on a phone call with uh, some folks who are friends of mine, and uh, we've been doing just some counseling together for, for quite some time. And uh, it, was a hard, it was a hard phone call. Uh, things were not going well uh, in their relationship. And the phone call was just kind of left with that flavor of just kind of, uh, just things aren't going good, God. And I feel, like, I feel like things are not working out. And all the things that I say uh, just seem to fall to the ground and... You just feel like a failure uh, as you come alongside people, and especially as a pastor, uh, as you do that. And so I'm in, I'm in just, it's just a bad day. I get down to Fred Meyer, and uh, I'm, I'm on my way to another appointment, which is going to be another hard appointment, and uh, I'm getting gas, I'm kind of in a hurry, uh, my mind is spinning, and this woman, out of nowhere, uh, comes right up to me at the gas pump, and she says, could you help me with some gasoline? And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm like, I'm like, what's the story? And uh, she's all, I need some gas. I'm trying to, get to, trying to get to Salt Lake City. And I look at her, and, and I don't know how you handle these things when people approach you for money, but I'm always real quick to go to God and say, God, do you want me to enter in on this one, or what do you got? Because uh, there's a lot of needy people. And he's all, yeah, I want you to enter in. And he's all, get her some gas. So I start putting the gas into the tank, and, and I'm all, hey, tell me your story. And again, I'm just, my heart is burdened. I'm feeling just kind of lousy. It's a bad day. So my heart intention was not real good. I'm like, tell me your story. I was hoping it was going to be short. <laughs> and she says, uh, I said, tell me your name. And her name is Kathy. And I said, what, what's going on? Why are you going to Salt Lake City? Well, I'm going to go see my mother, and um, I just need to go be with her. And I go, what's, uh, do you have family here in town? And she goes, yeah, I have uh, three boys, but I'm going to probably go live in Salt Lake. And I go, so the relationship with the boys isn't going too good? And she goes, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a relationship with the boys. 
And at this time, I'm noticing the, I'm noticing the amount of the gas <laughs> kicking in. And I was like, Lord. And he's all, now fill up the tank. And I'm like, Lord, but do you know the price of gasoline? <laughs> and again, the heart attitude wasn't good. I just was in a funky mood. And, but the Lord's just ministering to me in the middle of it. And, uh, and he said, just remind her while you're giving her gas. And so I did. I said, Kathy, I just want you to know something. I go, the only reason I'm giving you gasoline today is because there's a God who loves you, period. And, and you know what? Your three sons don't want relationship with you, but God does. And I just want you to know that. Um, and again, that was said in a heart that was in a rush and just frustrated, and God was ministering to me at the time. And so I filled up her tank, and she just kind of nodded her head like, oh, yeah, thanks for sharing, you know. And I got her a full tank of gas, and away she went. And you end up going from that, and you're just like, geez, that was another just total failure, you know. I mean, she didn't respond to what I was telling her about God. And I expected her to get on her knees and pray and accept Jesus. <laughs> I just spent 50 bucks on gas. Come on. But, you know, Paul is going through this with his Corinthian church, his dear brothers and sisters who he hurts over and he longs for them to grow and to know Christ on a deeper level. And he's in a place where it's not just been a rough day, but it's been a rough many months, and especially in his relationship with that church. He says in verse 12, he says, I arrived to Troas... And I went to preach the gospel of Christ, and I found that the Lord, had, the Lord had opened a door for me, and I still had no peace of mind. Paul had gone to Troas to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he was all about. You see, Paul was transformed on the road to Damascus, if you remember in Acts chapter 9. And his life was turned upside down, and he fell in love with Jesus. He was a Christ-hater. And he ended up being a lover of Jesus, and Jesus a lover of Saul at the time, who became Paul. And since he was transformed and he knew God's saving grace, he went everywhere to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. That his son, that God's son had died on the cross for our sin. That sin separates us from a holy God that there needs to be payment for that, and that Jesus Christ is the one who took the ultimate payment on the cross for us. And then he rose again. And his gift to each and every one is that if you would believe upon God's Son, Jesus, if you would surrender your life unto him, that you shall be saved. You will not be separated from God anymore. You shall have life now and life forever in Christ. That's what Paul went everywhere and shared that good news. You see, God loves you. And here's the story of his son, Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world. Paul couldn't shut up about it. So here's Paul, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's struggling. He's feeling like a failure. 
He's feeling like the Corinthians aren't listening to him. They're against him. And he's longing to be encouraged. He really wants Titus, his good friend, to come along his side and to not only just be a friend. You know how we have those moments where you just need a friend? He just needs that. But he's also longing to hear, Titus, what was the response? I sent a letter to my dear brothers and sisters in Corinth, and I'm waiting to hear back from them. What was the response? I need to know. I have no relief in my spirit. I long to know what's going on. Have you ever been in a serious conflict where you write a letter, send a send an email, and you pour out your heart in the letter, and you either hit send or you put the stamp on it because you love the person that you're in conflict with and you want to make things right. Paul longs for that with his church. The biggest thing he longs for is not only his relationship with them, but that they truly would, would walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. And so you send that letter out, a week goes by, another week goes by, no response. Have you had that happen to you? I have. And it kills you inside. So you've got to understand, in a, in a culture where there ain't no email, there's a lot of waiting to hear response, to make things right. And Paul, as he's stirring, is just going, oh, Lord, what is my ministry all about? Things are not going right. My heart is upside down. I have no rest in my spirit. No response. And so in the middle of that context, we get to verse 14, which just kind of blows you away. Look at verse 14. I'm struggling. I have no rest in my spirit. I had a, there was even an open door for me to do ministry. But I, I left there, and I went on to Macedonia. So in this state of failure, verse 14, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. But thanks be to God, are you kidding me? In the middle of absolute failure, in the middle of just feeling heavy and oppressed, where does that come from? What's the switch of gears? I have no rest in my spirit, and now I am in a place of praise and thankfulness. What leads a person to such a place? From this verse on through uh, chapter 6, verse 10, we get to see some real beautiful things about the inner life of Paul and his faith journey. About how he is learning to walk and live in the new covenant. The new covenant being that my only adequacy comes in Christ alone. I can't do this ministry. I can't do this in my own flesh, in my own strength, except for Christ living in me. I am not competent within myself. That's new covenant living. I recognize that Christ lives in me, and I recognize that Christ uses me 
even in my brokenness. Do you recognize that? Living in the new covenant. Paul is starting to realize that. And as he's realizing that he lives in Christ and that Christ is his adequacy, he starts to become thankful and all of a sudden there's a switch in his heart. And you wonder, what happened with Paul? Why don't you turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I think it gives us a little insight into what the switch is about. And look, if you will, with me at uh, verse 5 through 7. It says this, When we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. We were harassed at every turn. There was conflicts on the outside. There was fears within. Verse 6, very important. So my life is really not going too well. I'm challenged in all arenas. But God, it's always amazing as you see, but God in Scripture. It's a great reminder to us of who he is and how he works in our life and how he comes along our side. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort that you had given him. He told us about your longings. Here's Paul going, Ah, he told us about your longings for me, your deep sorrow that you actually responded, your ardent concern for me, so that now my joy was greater than ever. Everything was upside down. Ministry was not going well. Just trying to you know, walk this Christian faith uh, was hard. But God, who comforts us in the middle of it. We, we saw that in, in the beginning of 2 Corinthians, right? Our God is our comforter. That's that, that beautiful word, parakaleo. He's the God who comes along our side, that he's always with us. Our God is the one who doesn't just come along our side. He's not a comforter like just a warm blanket. He's one who, who strengthens us, gives us courage in the middle of our fear, reminds us of who he is in the middle of our lives. When we sometimes lose sight of, oh yeah, God loves us. God's walking with us. And so Paul switches gears from, I'm upside down, but God. He came along and he ministered to me. And Titus came with that letter of response, and you had soft in your hearts. It, it was in all of the waiting that I'm thinking, how are these guys going to ever make it through? And it's a, it's a reminder that, oh yeah, God's working on them. God used me to minister to them. I wrote a letter that had to deal with their sin. And God used it. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of the brokenness, God used me to be a fragrance of Christ and to speak truth into their lives. And Paul develops this beautiful, thankful heart. I think it's something that, that all of us continue to strive as we live in Christ. One of the things the Lord loves from us is a thankful heart. Isn't that true? Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, a lot of times we go, what's the will of God? You know, should I move here or should I move there? It doesn't matter where you move. What the will of God is that you're giving thanks, you're praying without ceasing, and that you are offering, rejoicing prayers to God. That's his will, remaining in him. And so Paul develops his thankful heart, and he recognizes that God is with him, and that he is led by Christ, that he has victory in life because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Paul paints for us, back to 2 Corinthians 2, Paul paints for us this picture of the Roman triumph, the Roman victory in war, taking over a city. He relates this to what God is doing in our Christian life as as we walk with him in Christ. And the picture of the triumph that would come through is in Rome, they would come in, it was like a ticker tape parade in New York City. Thousands upon thousands gathered to rejoice in the victory of the general over a city. The triumph would come, the state officials would come marching in. And then the Senate would come marching in. And then the spoils from the conquered land would come. And then would come in chains all of the captured leaders, the generals, all the princes. And they would shortly be thrown into prison and then brought out to public square to be murdered, executed part of the Roman triumph. Here they come in procession. Then came musicians and the trumpets. And then came the priest with the incense. And they would swing back and forth, the incense, and there would be the smoke and the, and the waft of the smell of the incense over the whole crowd. And then would come the victorious general riding on a chariot with white horses, four of them, coming in victory. And then behind him, his family. And then behind that, all of the soldiers that were in the victory battle. It was an incredible celebration, and they would cry out, Lo, triumph! We have triumphed over this land. Great victory we have. And this is the picture that Paul paints for us of our life in Christ in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of failure. He says very clearly, this is who we are in Christ. I didn't have any peace of mind. I had to go. I was struggling. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Always leads us in that. I don't want you to miss two words. Very clearly, verse 14. The first word is always. But thanks be to God who always leads us. Our God, and when we're in relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, He always, not just sometimes, not occasionally, He always leads us in that triumph 
as we are living in him, as we are ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ with our lives and verbally, he is always leading us in triumph. And he wants to paint that image of you are attached to that victorious general, the ruler who won. You are connected with him, and he leads you. You are always led in Christ. Can't miss the in Christ part. You see, the problem with us is that we oftentimes try to live in us. And we try to have this victorious Christian life in us, in our flesh. That Rod's got it all figured out. And I've got a plan of how I'm going to do life. And I'll be successful. And, and I'll put on all this Christianese and, and it'll look really good. So that's not triumph in Christ. That's not victorious Christian living. We, we always think victorious Christian living, and there's been no, numerous books and, and numerous churches like, let's have it, let's name it and claim it. Here we go. Woohoo! Let's muster it up and we'll go have victorious Christian living. In us, in our strength. Do these steps and you'll have victorious Christian living. Context here is I'm absolutely broken. I have nothing within myself, but I'm attached to Christ. And he's the one who is the victor, and I'm connected with him, and he's the one who leads my life. And so, however he's using my life, that is life in Christ, and it is victorious, because it's drawing people to Christ as he's using us. He always leads us in Christ. Christ is our conqueror. He is the one. We remain in Christ in all circumstances, in our brokenness, giving thanks to Him who works in us and through us, yet it's not dependent on us, the work that's going on. Christ is the one who's working in the hearts of men. Look at verse 14, continuing on. He says this, Thanks be to God, he always leads us in this incredible procession. There's victory. And this is the key, through us. Now this is the crazy part. Wow, Lord, you're, you're using us. You're using our lives. In all of our sin and our brokenness and our mess, you're using us. And through us, he spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. He is making known through us the knowledge. We are a fragrance of the knowledge of Him. That's an amazing thing about our God. That He loves to live in us. And like the Scriptures remind us, it's I who no longer live, but Christ who is living through me. I who no longer live, but Christ who lives through me. And God loves to use his children to be the fragrance of who he is. That's a beautiful thing. And when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're going, man, I'm a mess. And God's saying, yeah, I know. But I'm going to be glorified in your life. And I want to use your life. And he does. And here's the kicker. He says... I'm going to lead you, I'm going to use your life that there's going to be this fragrance and it is spread 
Everywhere, everywhere you go, every place that you're at, there's a fragrance that comes with you. And so as you walk into a room, people should be doing, what's that smell? What's that smell? It's you. Because God is living his life through you as you are living in dependence upon him. You know what's interesting about smell, and Paul really brings out smell. He stirs up our senses, and especially smell, in this chapter. What's true about smell? How do you smell? Do you smell like the fragrance of Christ? One of the things that's true about smell is that you smell like the person you've been around, or what you've been around. Isn't that true? You ever been out burger, barbecuing a bunch of burgers and dogs and you come away from that and people are like, oh, you've obviously had a barbecue. <laughs> You're covered with it, you know? I'm covered with my glasses. I can't see the grease, you know? Do you guys with glasses? You have this problem. And you're just covered with the smell of barbecue. We smell like what we've been around. Cigarettes, garlic, Do we smell like Christ, even in the trials? Think about a tree's scent. You ever go out and cut wood, cut pine? And when you cut that tree down, and oh, the scent of that, that just the aroma fills the whole area. And then when you bring it to the house, and it's, it fills the house. And then when you burn it, and you, it's thrown into the fire. Think about this even in the trials, even in the fire, do you have that smell of Christ, that aroma? Here's the thing about smell. You can't fake it, what you smell like. You can't fake it. You know, I learned that real quick. You know, I told you uh, I'm French. My mother's French. And you learn real quick as you're riding in the metro, the underground, in Paris, you learn real quick that cologne does not cover uh, the fact that you have not taken a shower. <laughs> cologne does not make up for that. They seem to continue to think that it does. It does not take the place of a shower, dear French people. Learn it! <laughs> I can only say that because I'm French. And you know what? God... And our Lord Jesus doesn't want you to fake it. A lot of times we're throwing on a bunch of cologne to try to look like, you know, we've been with Christ and that we are really walking, trying to have that smell. You smell like who you've been around. And he doesn't want us to keep trying to fake it. He doesn't want us to keep trying to look Christian and, and that people look at us and say, oh, that's a successful Christian marriage or a Christian life. He wants you to realize you're dependent on Him. That you need Him. can't do it without Him. You see, you can't tell a flower to stop smelling beautiful. It cannot do otherwise. And the same is true of us. As we remain in Christ, as we remain in the vine, we cannot stop 
smelling like Christ. Look what he says in verse 15. So we're thankful to God. He says, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. Now here's something, quite honestly, you know what, I, I didn't catch this until my most recent study. I always thought, oh, God is using my life and I am an aroma to those around me of Christ. But verse 15 is beautiful. And I don't want you to miss it. Highlight it. We are, look at this, to God, the aroma of Christ. We are to God. Yes, Lord? That's an extra emphasis. We are an aroma to Him. We are a pleasing scent of sacrifice to our holy God as we live in Him, in obedience, as we share the gospel. God is pleased with us, even when we fail, when, when we feel inadequate, as we remain in the vine, desiring to live in obedience to our Heavenly Father. Isn't that beautiful? Do you ever sometimes wonder if God is pleased with you? He's saying, oh, remain in me. I'm pleased with you. I know you may feel like a failure right now. I'm pleased with you. Just hold on to me. Don't turn to your own resources. Don't try to do it in your own strength. I'm pleased with you. I just want your obedience. I don't want your sacrifice. I want your obedience. That's a beautiful aroma to God. Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brethren, and by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We are this aroma to God. Look at verse 16. To one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. Who is equal to such a task? You see, this aroma, this, he's stirring up the senses and he's giving the idea of as this incredible Roman processional was taking place and as the incense were wafting over the whole crowd, that same smell had impact. Had impact. The same smell. But it impacted people in different ways. He says, to one, that impact, we are that, that incense. To one, it is the smell of death. It was the smell as they were walking in, chains, the smell of death. Have you ever experienced the smell of death? No, don't point at each other. You open up the fridge after you've been gone for a week. Sometimes you come home and there's just a smell in the house and you you can't figure out where it is and what it is. And then you find some sort of dead animal in the basement, right? That's real death. Smell of death. In that circumstance, as those captives were being led to death, ultimate death, that fragrance meant death. 
and Christ leading, the victorious general leading, and as the priest did their incense, that smell was death. Paul's saying, when the gospel is presented, when we live our lives in Christ, that aroma that we have to some is death. Is death. To the other, it's the fragrance of life. What's that smell? What's a fragrance of life? Thanksgiving turkey that's been sitting in the oven for hours. Maybe that smell right after a rain. Baked bread. And as we all know, the best part of waking up. Folgers in my cup. I love that smell. Coffee smell is the best. It's life. And so as the priests swung their censers, the same smell would impact both. Coal Valley Christian played Nampa Christian on Friday night. And together, that team gathered at the center of the field. And there was that same smell. It was, it was that smell of sweat, actually. These boys had played hard. And it was the smell of dirt and grass and, and just football. Fall football. And to one, it was the smell of death. Napa Christian. <laughs> and to Coal Valley Christian, for the first time ever, it was the smell of victory. They're 6-0. and oh. Way to go, Chargers. That smell of Christ through you has impact on this world. It has impact on the hearts of people, and God is doing the work. The sun shines on wax and melts it, softens it. That same sun shines on clay and hardens it. And it's the same with the gospel. It either melts your heart towards repentance or hardens you to greater stubbornness. It will have some impact, some effect, no matter what. And that's the thing we need to realize about our lives in Christ. God is using our lives to impact as we live in Him, as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's having impact. But we're not in charge of that. I don't know what's going to happen with Kathy. I do know that I just told her, and even though I was in a bad state, I told her that God loved her. I'm not responsible for the outcome of that. I didn't have to have all the right words. Let me do the you know four steps here. And I actually got a phone call a couple of weeks ago from that counseling session that I was calling you about, and I'm like, this is not working out. I'm a failure as a counselor and a pastor. And the call was, hey, just wanted you to know there's been some reconciliation. That had nothing to do with me. Because God's at work. But he's using my life even in the middle of the mess. And he wants to use yours. He always leads us in triumph as Christ is proclaimed. Who is sufficient for such things? None of us. None of us. 
And so I think this beautiful chapter is a, the beginning of the picture of new covenant living, life in Christ, resting in the truth that our adequacy comes in Christ alone. I think there's an assumption in these verses, and the assumption is, is that we are actually using our lives in Christ to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's God's call upon us. Go and make disciples. Go and share the gospel. There is good news because there are those being led in those chains and they are going to certain death. And they need the aroma of Christ through you. And God wants to use us for that. Know that God takes great pleasure in you. That your life in Christ is a sweet aroma to God. And that we would remain in the vine, remain in Christ, so that everywhere we go, even in our broken state, everywhere we go, people will go, what's that smell? Let's pray. Father, uh, we're blown away by the fact that you use our lives. That you are pleased with us, that you, you walk this journey with us. Father, we're blown away by your love for us. And, and Father, we, we as a body of Christ this morning, we ask that, that you would use our lives to be an aroma of, of you, dear Jesus, to this world. May our fragrance reflect you. May it smell like you. Father, we love you. We thank you that you always lead us in triumph and that we can depend on you that you're doing your work and you're using us in the middle of it. And so we give nothing but thanks to you, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.